Hello and welcome to Frankly Speaking, where we dive deep into regional headlines. I speak with leading policymakers and business leaders. I am Katie Jensen. A few days ago, the Palestinian-Israeli conflict came to an alarming new tipping point when Palestinian group Hamas launched an unprecedented attack against Israel from the Gaza Strip, claiming this is part of its resistance to a decades-long occupation and denial of rights. Israel has now declared war on the Gaza Strip, with Prime Minister Netanyahu vowing to turn it into a deserted island. On this episode of Frankly Speaking, we hear from Palestinian ambassador to Japan, Walid Ali Siam, to ask what an all-out war between Israel and Palestine will mean for the region, and whether diplomatic powers from Saudi Arabia, Egypt or Jordan have any hope of defusing the situation, or are we at the point of no return? Your Excellency, thank you for joining us on Frankly Speaking. Now, the past few days have seen unprecedented escalation, which has not been limited to Gaza this time, but instead it's quickly spread to other parts of occupied territories, as well as Syria and Lebanon. Frankly speaking, is the situation now beyond containing? I do believe that the situation is escalating on every second. And what we are seeing, uh, and we will continue on seeing, unfortunately, is the Israeli continuing bombardment of Gaza and destroying civilian homes, schools, and hospitals, and international organizations in Gaza. I do believe that this declaration of war is actually a declaration of genocide to the innocent, unarmed civilians in Gaza. So far, we have lost over 1,500, and this number is rising every second, every moment. More than 60% so far that have fallen because of the Israeli bombardment are children and women and old people. And unfortunately, I foresee that over 400,000 Palestinian citizens in Gaza will be out of their own homes, displaced, unknown, where to go because the hospitals are full the schools are full and there is nowhere for them to go and of course i think it's important to emphasize there's been horrific civilian deaths and shocking reports on both sides but uh, i want to talk more widely because the u.s has mobilized an aircraft carrier now it's also warned iran to stay out of the conflict now iran has so far denied its involvement in the recent attacks but it has reiterated its backing of the palestinians 
So tell me, as a well-informed Palestinian diplomat, what can you tell us about Iran's actual role and involvement in the most recent escalation? I don't have any information that shows that Iran is being involved. But I do have information that many countries in this free world are supporting the Palestinians against the rage and the revenge policy and the killing of civilians that Israel and allies are committing war crimes in Gaza. Okay, well, let's talk about some of that support for Hamas because Ukrainian President Zelensky has said that Russia is secretly backing Hamas. Reports say the war, in fact, is bringing Russia and Iran closer. We've also seen the Taliban say it's ready to send fighters to aid Hamas. Now, many US and Western media are calling this Israel's 9-11 moment, which, uh, which signals the gloves might be off in terms of the scale of retaliation. Would you say that this is now an international conflict? I hope it will continue to be international conflict because the international community and their media has forgotten about the Palestinians' flight for freedom and for a statehood. And I don't believe that Ukraine or Russian or here and there are supporting uh, the Palestinians in any other way, anyway. Uh, we have heard from the Israeli military that some of the weapons they have found was sent to Ukraine and it was sold on the black market. So uh, there must be some ways that this black market is coming out of Israel, selling to uh, whoever wants to buy. And unfortunately, for the past 19, from 70, past 75 years, the international community have always managed the conflict. They have not really tried to finalize the conflict as they all have stated in the past. Two state solutions, two independent states living side to side by side. It's only we have seen statements. We have not seen action. I think what's happening today must be the end of all violences. And it will be a time that this international com community takes full responsibility to enforce a peace and to enforce a two-state solution according to international law and UN resolution and human rights resolution. It's time. It's time now for them to move. It's time for them again to move now because every second they continue on being blind towards what's happening in Gaza. We will see a genocide. And I really mean it, a genocide in this modern history more than whatever I've seen. If you look at the pictures of Gaza for the past days, you will see and you will continue seeing the full destruction. It looks like Berlin in World War II. Unfortunately, 
still the international community have not taken the full responsibility. But soon they have to take this full responsibility. And whoever was responsible for this will have to pay for it. Well, you say now should be the end of violence. It's, it feels like it's anything but right now. It seems like we've seen such a massive escalation. And, and frankly, it seems like we are now further than ever from finding a, a two-state solution. Now, you say the international community needs to step up. Uh, I, I want to go back to uh, something I mentioned a moment ago about the Western media's description of this being Israel's 9-11. Now, this statement clearly insinuates that Hamas are terrorists. Of course, a number of countries have classified them as so, including Japan, where you are ambassador. How does this impact your job of being an ambassador and representing the legitimate rights of the Palestinian people when you have a faction that deliberately tries to kill and kidnap civilians? You know, the history does not really start on October the 7th. Unfortunately, the history starts from 1948. The international community and its leaders forgot what happened since 1948 on a daily basis that the Palestinians had to endure from the Israeli illegal military occupation of Palestinian territories. And also the set illegal settlements and illegal settlers, the killing, the humiliation of the Palestinians on a daily basis. They don't see on their TVs or in the media what Israel is doing in East Jerusalem. These illegal settlers that are coming from Europe are coming in, taking Palestinian homes, taking their, our land. They don't see that. They don't see the Israeli military killing children just because he thought he wanted to hurt him or to kill him. They don't see when they bombard our homes, when they enter our homes at night, when they come and take the father and the kids to jail. They don't see that we have 5,000 Palestinians in jail. Over 1,500 have been under what so-called administrative uh, jail. They don't see the, uh, Sure, and, and that's something that we've actually, we, we've highlighted that repeatedly on our, uh, on our program. Again, this is yeah. not an incident that's just happened this week. This is a decades-long conflict. Uh, for a long time, we've talked about the expanding settlements. We've talked about the ongoing violence. We've highlighted uh, the exactly. Al-Aqsa Mosque attacks as well. But what I'm asking here is, how do you try and defend the rights of the everyday Palestinian people when you have uh, essentially a, a terrorist organization like Hamas? How do, you, how, how do you split the two? How does that affect your job as ambassador? Well, let me give you this information. In WikiLeaks 2007, the Israeli Defense of Intelligence Chief Amos Yeldon said, that Israel will be happy if Hamas took over Gaza, then we will deal with Gaza as a hostile state. You have to ask the Israelis, first of all, who is Hamas and who supports them? As for my job, I, I represent the Palestinian government and I represent the Palestinian people. We, I don't have any problem in representing my, my people because we have a just cause. We are people that have been fighting for an independent state for the past 75 years. And we will continue on fighting in every form and color as in the charters of the United Nations and international law. So as a representative, I have all the confidence in representing my people and its cause. And what's happening in October 6th, what happened October 6th, for me, 
that the history date goes back to 1948. It does not start from October 6 or 7. Okay, and I understand. But just to be clear, the Palestinian Authority does condemn the killing and the kidnapping uh, and deliberate targeting of civilians. Is that correct? We do condemn the loss of all civilian lives, be it be Palestinians or Israelis. Okay. Today, tomorrow, or forever. So let's talk about some of the Israeli uh, violations. We've talked about the fact this is a 75-year-old conflict. Now, you are a seasoned diplomat. What do you see is the main reason for this conflict? And what is the, what is the overarching answer about why it hasn't been able to be resolved despite the huge mediation efforts we have seen over the years? I think it's the... the absent and the ap apathy of the international community headed by the United States of America. They are responsible for all the loss of any innocent people, citizens that die. They are the one responsible for not taking a strong stand on implementing and making Israel complying with the international law and United Nations resolutions. Why? Ask them why. For us, we continue on working with them. We continue on going to all international organizations and we continue to try to comply and make Israel comply with the international law and United Nations resolutions. But we always have obstacles and those obstacles are Western countries headed by the United States that always stop Israel from complying to international law and to the United Nations resolutions. Well, let's talk, let's talk a little bit about the U.S. Uh, role there, because an Arab news poll earlier this year found that the majority of Palestinian respondents, they found that the U.S. was the least trusted partner to mediate. Uh, it sounds like you would agree with that. Do you think that is a role that Japan uh, could fill instead? I do believe that the United States cannot be a country that is involved in any negotiation between us and the Israelis. It should be part of the countries that sit on the table. But I think, or I do believe, that Japan should be the main role player in it and not the United States of America, and not the Western countries either. We have seen the French and we have seen the British and we have seen other countries come up with statements that really forgot that Palestinians are human. We are not, as the defense, Israeli defense stated yesterday, we're human animals. We are humans and we have a, a cause. A just cause. It does feel like you're saying two different things here, though, because uh, a moment ago you were saying you feel that the conflict has not been solved because the international community, particularly the U.S., has not taken a strong enough stand. And then on the flip side, you're saying that you don't want the U.S. involved as a role as mediator. So w which one is it? The U.S. should be involved or, or should not? No, no, that's what I said. The U.S. Be, U.S. United States should be on the table, but should not be the main player. I think Japan should be the main player and not the United States of America because we don't trust Americans anymore. 
Well, Qatar has said it would like to uh, attempt to mediate a prisoner swap. Do you think that would be an acceptable solution, given that Qatar also hosts the leaders of Hamas? Uh, it, of course, had, has, has had expertise uh, in mediating between the US and Taliban. Do you think that would be a viable solution? It would be a viable solution. If Qatar can make it, yes, we extend our hand to any country that wants to help in stopping the genocide going on in Gaza and trying to get the two parties on the table back on the negotiating table to finalize a just solution. Yes, why not? We are open to anyone. What about Saudi Arabia? They have been on a diplomatic marathon of late. They've reached out to a number of regional and world leaders and they've called for an urgent OIC meeting. How would you rate the Saudi efforts so far? I think we respect the efforts of all the Arab countries. And we respect all other countries that try to end this conflict and to try to end this crazy rage of revenge of the Israelis against the Palestinians. We welcome anyone that can help. And certainly when it comes to Saudi, President Mahmoud Abbas has thanked Saudi Arabia for its role. Tell me, how would you rate the role played by other Arab countries, including the ones who've also signed peace deals with Israel previously? I think each country has the right to do whatever they want for the interests of their own country. And uh, we have, uh, like you said, that my president has thanked Saudi Arabia and have thanked all the Arab countries and any countries that wants to uh, mediate to the end of this violence. So we are always looking for our brothers, the Arab countries, and its leadership to wisely uh, try to end this rage of violence and rage of revenge that we see ongoing on a daily basis. But which ones in particular? Because we've also seen countries like uh, Egypt and Jordan, they have come out and offered to mediate. What do you know about potential talks behind closed doors? You say that every country has a right to get uh, to help and support it and be involved. But where do you see the real potential? Where do you see the talk being turned into action? I think Egypt, Jordan, Saudi Arabia, United Arab Emirates, Qatar, Bahrain, Oman, of these countries can be very effective on putting pressure through third parties to put pressure on this to be stopped as soon as possible. And of course, the humanitarian issue now is of huge concern. Uh, Israel has threatened to bomb any aid truck which makes its way from Egypt to Gaza via the Rafah crossing. And we already know that basic needs such as electricity and water, they're already a big problem for residents of Gaza. Do you think that we're now at the brink of an even larger humanitarian crisis? We are now in a humanitarian crisis right now. There's no electricity, no food, no water, no medicine uh, for two, over 200,000 Palestinians displaced. We are in, in, in this now. And I hope that we don't continue it. Of course, as Israel has declared war on a non-state by international law that doesn't give her the right to stop the entry of human aid and food and electricity and water to the civilians under 
daily bombardment. So I do believe that the International Red Cross and the international community, especially our Arab brothers, to really pressure on allowing all this aid to enter Gaza as soon as possible. And of course, we have seen a number of international aid agencies come out and call for that urgent aid to be let through. But uh, obviously, this is not an easy question to, to ask, but it feels it feels that this time Hamas has really gone beyond the point of no return to the extent that major powers in the world might not even be able to call for restraint. What do you see as the worst case scenario for Gaza, in your opinion, as well as the Palestinian cause? But the restraint should be on the part of the Israelis, not on the part of the Palestinians. Uh, you know, uh, Israel is one of the, the tenth most powerful countries in the world, and the United States is the most one of the first powerful country in the world. Both of them are fighting, getting into a fight against 2.2 million civilians in Gaza, or against the armed 30,000 to 40,000 uh, so-called Islamic uh, fighters or Hamas fighters. I mean, that's really unproportionate. You know, 50,000, 50,000 against 1 million soldiers and all that. I think it's, uh, it's incomprehensible, really, to understand what's, what's going on. Israel is using disappropriate use of force. And it's destroying the livelihoods and homes of Palestinian civilians. Punishing them for something they didn't do? This is a collective punishment. This is a war crime. You cannot punish a whole population on some of the population that has done something wrong to Israel. It's unheard of. It's unheard of this collective punishment. But Israeli's policy has always been collective punishment. If one Israeli dies, then the whole Palestinian population has to pay for it. Unfortunately, this is their policy. This is their strategy. They always play the victim. But the victim here, and the world should know, are not the Israelis. The victim here are the Palestinians, have been the victim for the past 75 years. And they were continuing to be the victim. Unfortunately, nobody gives a damn about the victims. But, of course, if one Israeli dies, the whole world starts crying. But when a Palestinian dies, nobody cares. Since January this year, until last October, until October, 253 Palestinians were shot in the West Bank, children, women, and men. Nobody cared. But, uh, but Not I, even and, they put it in and, and, I, and I understand what you're, you're saying as well. And as I said, it's something that we have repeatedly covered on this program. But I guess the flip side, the same could be argued. We saw a number of civilians uh, killed in this recent attack uh, from Hamas on the Israelis as well. We saw at the music festival that a number of uh, men, women, we've seen children taken as well. So 
Going back to what you were saying earlier, the Palestinian Authority, um, you know, does not support the deliberate targeting or, or killing, killing of civilians on either side. Do you think that is being appreciated by the Palestinians as well, that, um, you know, the old saying, an eye for an eye and the whole world will end up blind? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. The Palestinians do see our statements that uh, we are against the killing of civilians on both sides. This is not new for the Palestinians. We Palestinians never wanted to go into conflict with other civilians. Our conflict is with the military occupying forces, not the civilians. Mr. Siam, tell me, what are some of the stories that you're hearing coming out of Gaza? I imagine you're in touch with colleagues, friends or family members there. What are some of the stories that you're hearing every day that people are going through there? Well, first and foremost, unfortunately, my house was destroyed this morning. But that, that is nothing comparing to what my people have endured with hundreds of, hundreds of homes that have been destroyed. My family and friends are scattering around. Some of them have lost their homes. They're, one of them told me, one of the daughters, she's seven years old, she said, I lost my childhood today. I lost everything in my childhood. And we they went to a hotel, and then they were asked to leave the hotel because the Israelis said to uh, get out of the hotel, so uh, maybe the Israelis would hit it. So now they are running from one street to the other. And unfortunately, the streets are full of rocks and stones from the buildings that rubble from that. They cannot even walk. There's no much streets in Gaza. So I don't know what they're going to do. I really don't know what they're going to do. We lost some friends. We lost some, some of our families. But what can I say? I mean, this is not new for us. So, and this is a this is a not easy to uh, to to look into the future. But what is the most likely scenario in the days, weeks, and months ahead? What is your outlook for this horrific situation that we are seeing? We've highlighted uh, some of the uh, the challenges that people are facing every day on the Gaza Strip. If the international community does not step in, what kind of future are we looking at for the Palestinian people in the end, uh, before the end of the year? Complete destruction of Gaza, genocide of civilians in Gaza, that's it, complete destruction. Unfortunately, that's how we foresee it. If the international community does not step in as soon as possible. And the, and the ongoing uh, civilian deaths we are seeing being reported on both sides are absolutely shocking. We can see the latest pictures are behind you there as well. Mr. Seam, thank you for joining us today to be able to give us your insights on this truly shocking situation we are seeing coming out of the Gaza Strip. Um, our thoughts um, are with the civilians on both sides and we appreciate your time today. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you for making our voice heard.